Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Livigno to Levin. Visma Ski Classics is the long distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Good day to all Visma Ski Classic fans all over the world. And once again, it's time for another thrilling, exciting episode of Livigno to Levy. I'm your host, Teemu Virtanen. And my today's guest is two-time Vasalopet winner, Laila Kveli. And she is a Norwegian skier who happens to live in Sweden because she's married to another legend, Jerry Arling. How are you guys doing over there in Östersund? Yes, we're doing uh, well actually. In the it's uh, plus degrees, but we have the the snow uh, on the on the tracks here, so we're happy. <laughs> so, Lila, how much have you been training lately? Because it's been a little bit of up and f- uh, back and forth uh, with you. Uh, Vasalopet victories, you started really early on in your career and last season was really good for you, kind of a comeback really. Uh, but for this upcoming season, how much have you trained? How well are you prepared for this uh, I feel really well prepared actually this year. I've been able to train as much as uh, never before actually. So uh, it feels good to have uh, been healthy and uh, to just uh, work the plan actually. When you say uh, you've trained more than never before, can you elaborate on that a little bit? You know, how much, what kind of trainings, what have you changed from the past? Uh, actually, it is uh, for me to uh, to just be able to uh, to train all the sessions that I planned. <laughs> that is uh, a record for me. Uh, because uh, previous years I have always had uh, like four weeks of training and maybe one or two weeks uh, sick. So uh, uh, being able to to just do the plan from from May and to November now uh, that's a a big record for me. <laughs> Why do you think that's been the case in the past that you've got sick uh, so easily? Uh, well, I think it's. Uh, a lot of uh, parameters that counts in, but uh, of course, uh, small children in kindergarten is not a positive thing. <laughs> like, uh, if you think about uh, staying healthy, uh, and also uh, the life with small kids is not uh, made to save energy between your training sessions. So um, uh, that's been the, my my biggest challenge to balance uh, the family life with uh, hard training. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, uh, a little bit later on, your the motherhood and, and the, fa- the family side of things. But going back to the training, uh, any special workouts you would like to share us? Anything? I know you're a good double polar, always been. Uh, any special ones that you kind of cooked up you know, for this <laughs> season? Uh, I've been working hard on my uphill double polling because uh, I kind of feel that that has been my weakest link. So uh, I've worked worked hard and uh, much with that part. So uh, uh, we have now a, a treadmill for roller skiing in the garage. So I've taken a lot of hide meters 
in there. <laughs> Do you like that type of training? Because that's kind of boring, isn't it? It's been inside. I like it more and more. The better I, I get, the, the more I can enjoy it, actually. Lena Koskren actually said that she uses quite a lot of uphills uh, in Ore to, to get that up, up body, upper body strength. Mm. Uh, do you also do that? Did you go roller skiing on uphills and find good climbs? Yes, it's uh, very nice if you have this long uh, uphill, but here in Östersund there, is, there are some fine uphills, but they're not that long. So having, being able to do it indoors and having as long uphills as you want is uh, uh, really great. So when you do the indoor trainings, you know, the treadmills or the uh, ski ergos and, and so forth, do you listen to music or do you watch anything or how do you kill time? Because it's just the one location. You don't move anywhere. <laughs> no, uh, it's not so exciting <laughs> outside of the treadmill, but uh, music and uh, focus on technique makes the, the session shorter somehow. And what else do you do besides, you know, the treadmill training? Uh, yeah, it's uh, no uh, no secrets. <laughs> it's uh, long uh, long roller ski training sessions and uh, running running uphill with uh, poles, uh, strength training. It's uh, yeah, no no difficult <laughs> recipe. Do you ever do those special Vassalo past, uh, past trainings like a Lager 157 ski team or most of the teams uh, do quite a lot, meaning a long distance training uh, where they have sprints and intervals and tough sections built within? Yes, uh, I have had some, some of those uh, during the summer and uh, the autumn, but uh, maybe not as much as uh, Lager 157, but... Uh, I've had some, some of this that sort, uh, in in tougher and easier uh, ways. And what are your uh, favorite uh, exercises or workouts? And then again, what are the ones that you don't like that much? You mentioned that you like the treadmill nowadays, but anything that you might even feel a little bit, mm, oh, once again, I need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I this time of year, I think the the long and uh, easy sessions are maybe the the toughest ones, uh, as the conditions can be challenging uh, with uh, maybe um, cold uh, weather, wind, rain, snow. <laughs> so uh, that's maybe the the most challenging. Except that I I really enjoy training overall. So, uh, uh, but if I had to pick one, I really like uh, running uphill, actually. Oh, that's a good workout. Yeah. Do you ever get days that you feel like, oh gosh, I'm lacking, lacking, you know, the kind of the energy or the inspiration? You just said that you like training so much, but are there. Are there times that you feel like, oh? Uh, yeah, of course, there are days uh, when the energy maybe isn't there and uh, and when there's other things on the schedule 
outside training that you have to fix. So that's maybe the things that uh, takes away my motivation the most when I know that I they have other things around the training that I have to focus on and fix. And that also take, takes uh, energy. So uh, that's uh, maybe those days when it's hardest. And of course, your family responsibilities and engagements uh, can eat up quite a lot as well. Take your time and yeah, make you tired. Exactly. <laughs> But we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But going back to the last season, Bispaski Classics, season 10, we have an interesting season coming up, season 11. And as I said earlier, it was a pretty good year for you. But if you analyze the year yourself, kind of the highlights and then and the moments that you feel that could have been better. Uh, yeah, I felt that I had a really good start in Livigno. Uh, I felt that uh, my energy was in... In balance, and I could uh, perform what uh, what I felt that I that I had. Uh, and uh, after Christmas, uh, yeah, there was uh, some sickness, of course, <laughs> again, and uh, I had to work me into it again after after New Year. But Vasa uh, uh, was. Uh, uh, one of the highlights and it felt really good to be uh, to to ski better and better during the the race and feel that I had energy for for the whole race and uh, to to reach a decent place <laughs> so overall how happy are you with uh, with the season uh, was a lot it was uh, actually I was really really happy it felt like uh, I had uh, opened a door that has been closed for a very long time so uh, I, after half the race I felt that uh, it it felt like something I have felt before uh, when when my shape was good and uh, uh, everything was different so uh, that was a really highlight for me. So you must have been a bit disappointed when the season didn't continue after yeah. Barcelona. You were on a roll. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> how did how did when that kind of happened? How did you feel? Uh, at first, I just thought that okay, Birkebeine Rennet will not be, but of course, the last uh, races will be. But then it just. When the when the whole season just uh, disappear, disappeared, it was uh, a bit shocking, uh, and um, also of course sad. You want to ski the races that you planned, but uh, uh, of course uh, ski races are not important in the, this whole situation. So you have to just zoom out and don't pity for yourself. <laughs> And you also left the season on, on a high note because Vasalopet went so well, uh, you know, for you. Uh, now, going towards the next season, having that in mind, the good Vasalopet, what are you hoping to achieve uh, this coming winter? Oh, I just hope to achieve some really good moments in the ski tracks just to feel uh, the way I know it, it can feel uh, and to 
be able to perform at my at my top level that's been I've been longing for that for several years now and uh, I know that that uh, feeling is is priceless when you just feel strong and you just want to go faster so um, I'm I'm longing for that feeling do you feel that a podium place could be a possibility for you Yes, that that depends on the other girls, of course. <laughs> but uh, I hope so. If uh, if I can do a, a great race, I, I really hope that that uh, a podium place is uh, within reach. What does it take to get it? I mean, the the field is getting tougher in in in, in women's race. We're getting more skiers coming in, young ones, uh, and of course, and Astrid and and Britta and Lena, and they all they all really strong skiers, amazingly strong skiers. But for you to be on a podium, what do you think it need you need to? Yes, it, it, it's uh, it's really been the last years. It's tougher and tighter, and uh, really. It's hard to get reach the podium in the the women's class, uh, and that's great. I think it's uh, it should be that way. So uh, for me to to reach the podium, it uh, I really need to uh, improve in the in the uphill po- uphill parts. I I know that both uh, Britta, Astrid, Lina, they are so strong in the uphills. Uh, and they're also fast finishers, so uh, uh, yeah, it uh, it takes a really great day, great skis, and uh, uh, yeah, it has to work out all the whole race. So, so the nature of a long distance skiing has definitely changed from the time when you started. You did your first Pasaloped. Uh, in 2008, correct? You were like 21 years old or something like that. Yeah. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but so it's been a long time, 12 years, uh, uh, 12 years ago. But how much has the sport itself changed in your perspective? Oh, it, first of all, it has grown so much and uh, I'm happy to see that a lot of ladies uh, get the chance to to do long distance skiing. Uh, and... Um, of course, the the competition in the the women's class is now extremely harder than it was twelve years ago. Uh, it's hard to to um, imagine how how big difference it is. Of course, uh, the the first uh, first place is always uh, has always been fast, but uh, maybe the the podium was not that hard to reach if you go back just five years there's uh, a big big difference and I think it's great for the sport that uh, the women's class is growing year for year and it all also makes it more interesting getting more nations more top names so it's been a, a good uh, development Certainly, it, it, it keeps growing, and Visma Ski uh, Classics keeps growing every year. Uh, but let's go back to that year that I just mentioned, 2008, your first Vasa Lopet. You were ninth, I think, back then, uh, your first 90-kilometer race. How did you feel way back then? 
to do something like that at an at a young age? It was so exciting. I had uh, dreamt of it from I was a, a little girl. Actually, I used to watch the Vasaloppet on television back home in in Norway with my parents and my brothers, uh, and. Uh, it felt like watching an adventure. It was like a legend. <laughs> and then suddenly I could be there on the uh, on the start together with all those thousands of thousands of skiers, uh, just feeling the, the warmth and the, the energy from all that, that big crowd. Uh, and I didn't know what uh, I was doing. <laughs> it was... Uh, the first time I'd skied that long and uh, I heard that you have to eat a lot so I ate uh, more than I needed and was uh, I think I wasn't hungry even when I came to Mura <laughs> uh, but it was a, a really great experience I had to I started a bit back in the in the field so uh, uh, the first uphill was really really slow uh, but I just decided to to enjoy the feeling of uh, uh, being a part of that big crowd, uh, and uh, yes, I just enjoyed every second of the the race. Did you even feel tired when you uh, reached Mura? No, I didn't. It was because you I ate think, so much. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, I think I was high on life. <laughs> And then uh, four years later, uh, 2012, you were on the podium. You were second. And then, of course, uh, 13 and 14, uh, those victories. Uh, what happened between those four years? Because from ninth place, of course, all the way to the podium and then finally the victories. You trained more. You get more experienced. Yes, it uh, it happened a lot. The first year was not actually something. It was just something I wanted to do, so I didn't put much effort in it and focus on the training. So uh, if we count that <laughs> away, I 2010, I was mother for to our first daughter. So uh, actually then I thought that uh, my skiing career was over, uh, but I thought that uh, I can train as much as I feel like during the pregnancy and after we'll see what happens. Uh, and um, I got the chance to, to ski Vasaloppet with uh, Team Extra Personnel. Uh, so I was uh, really happy to, to be able to stand on the starting line again. But that was uh, six months five, or five months after the... I gave birth, so uh, I maybe hadn't uh, a really great shape, but it was uh, a, a good race, and uh, I felt that uh, maybe long, dis long distance skiing was something for me, uh, and uh, I got the chance to race, to do more races the next year with extra personnel, uh, and to do a more focused training for the long distance skiing and Vasaloppet. And that was uh, the year when Vibeke took the, the record time. So coming second in that race was a shock for me. Uh, I had uh, 
never th- thought that I would be able to to ski that fast. It was uh, a great experience, and it made me even more hungry for <laughs> more long distance skiing. And that was a 2012, you know, as you said, the record time. Uh, yeah. Vivica Skofterud, I think, it was 407 was her uh, record time and then seconds. What was your time? Do you remember? I think it's 411 something, maybe. Yeah, I remember that race pretty pretty well because I was in the race too. And I think I passed mm-hmm. you at some point. My time was like 401. Okay. And um, I've <laughs> always kind of felt, you know, that I... Always wish that I could go under four hours. Oh, but, so you know, close I to think the magic. 401, yes, yeah, the magic, <laughs> you know, the kind of the frontier. But 401 is my fastest time. Ah, but uh, that's so. uh, something to have on your... <laughs> yeah, well, I wish it could have been 359, <laughs> yeah. but it's, uh, now it's 401. But yes, two, uh, 2012, uh, the US second, Skofterud, still the record time, one and then 13 and 14, uh, you finally... Uh, won the race how did you feel I mean of course a t- typical question but it's a puzzle but I have to ask you this <laughs> oh it was uh, uh, strange it was like a, I had uh, limitless energy and I felt that I was just smiling and enjoying every every minute of the of the race uh, and uh, I just felt stronger and stronger during the uh, during the race uh, and it was uh, a feeling of it was that it was too easy <laughs> somehow I don't know it was uh, I felt that I should be more tired and I should be crying for of pain <laughs> after uh, winning but I think I was so high on the whole situation and uh, had that really really great day and really extremely good skis uh, and of course the feeling of uh, entering the the last 500 meters in Mura with uh, the Swedish flags and uh, seeing that the, that the goal uh, arch uh, and the flowers I don't know uh, the thing you get around your neck <laughs> uh, it was uh, really a fantastic day then what about the year after was it as easy to win again if the feeling was quite the same during the race that i i was uh, i just knew what to do and uh, and i could do it <laughs> it was uh, like i had a had a plan and I could just uh, finish finish the plan and it worked out. So that was two easy years and now it's been six uh, hard ones <laughs> after that. How come? How come they've been so hard? Yeah, good question. Uh, well, there's been uh, one kid <laughs> after that. So uh, maybe that explains something. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I've been uh, struggling to get back my my strength in my. Can um, uh, I get back? Must- a ba- hop on, hop on a bandwagon again. Yes, actually, actually, exactly. Uh, so, uh, and of course, the 
getting colds after colds during the winter, not being able to do the races that I wanted and uh, lack of training. Uh, you can't afford that when the competition is getting harder and harder. Uh, and uh, if you take Britta, who's getting stronger and stronger for every year, and for me, it, I was like, a, I uh, went back to below zero and starting to try to go up again. And when you just can't uh, do your plan and go back to zero again, coming up, it just, I just uh, don't keep that level that that it takes to compete with those, those other women. And did you ever get frustrated about the, the fact that you couldn't return or were you just very adamant about just uh, uh, yeah, and kept pushing and pushing and pushing, believing that the day will come? Yeah, well, there's, there's been a lot of frustrations and some tears and some uh, hard <laughs> analysis. Uh, and it's, uh, of course... Uh, it doesn't feel so good when you you can't do what you know what you can. Um, but uh, I also know that having a second baby is my my own uh, choice. So uh, I just ha- just have to work with those conditions that I that I have and try to do the best. And either you can. Uh, give up and uh, stop doing this but I still think there's there's more to give and uh, I want to make a, a new try this season so there's definitely some juice left in in, in your engine uh, <laughs> so to speak Vasil uh, so. uh, that, that is a race that you really fits you well uh, we talk about the past victories and you also mentioned that last year's race or this this winter's race uh, went pretty well as well but what is about Barcelona that makes it a perfect race for you uh, well I think uh, the long distance suits me and also uh, the the track uh, the way that it's uh, uh, it's a lot of uh, flat parts with uh, high speeds and that fits me very well and uh, I also think that the time of the year has been good for me because often when I've been sick, it's been around Christmas. And after that, I could train a little bit more. So I have had time to work on my shape and uh, I've been quite prepared when the first Sunday in March comes. So now we can take a break and listen to uh, what the other couple of other Vasalopet uh, winners think about you as a skier. My name is Britta Johansson Norgen. Laila was one of the first women who was going full-time to be a long-distance skier. She did it at a young age and I think that was really brave. She also... Uh, really good at double pulling and she had a really good technique especially on the flat parts she's really fast and she can go with the with the men for a long time so i think she's a impressive skier and uh, she's a role model for all of us out there now 
she uh, it's also of course really impressive to have two kids and can be on a top level. Hello, my name is Lina Koshkin and I am a skier in Team Ramaden in Visma Ski Classics. For me, Laila is a really inspiring person. Uh, I remember when she won Vasalopet and I also remember when she started to double pooling a lot, uh, a lot of races. And uh, yeah, that have inspired me a lot, <laughs> both with Vasalopet and uh, of course the double pooling. Uh, Laila is a person who never give up in, in the ski track and uh, Yeah, I really respect her for that. And I also respect her for that she's uh, both a really, really good skier and uh, she's also a mom to two children. And yeah, I think that is really cool uh, that uh, she can uh, can combine that so good. Uh, yeah, I think Lila is a really cool girl. So Lila, three things I can take from those comments. Uh, first of all, they're pretty uh, amazed about how you came back, you know, from your, you know, the giving birth to, to two ch- uh, children, actually. And then also that you are kind of the f- forerunner uh, in double polling uh, and that you've been an inspiration to them. So how does it feel when you listen to Pritta and Lina and other skiers? commenting on you being an inspiration and, and kind of the guiding light? Uh, well, I feel uh, really honored and uh, also grateful for those uh, nice words. Uh, and um, I don't think of myself as an, uh, uh, a pioneer <laughs> in that way, but uh, it's uh, always been for me to... Uh, Well, when Yeri, my husband, started double polling some years before me, I felt that there should be no reason that uh, us women can't do that either. So uh, I started to do the trainings a bit like he did. And uh, after some years, there was no uh, no doubt that uh, double polling was the, the future in long-distance skiing. So speaking of double polling, and you mentioned that you kind of started to, started to do and pay more focus on it uh, uh, when your husband Yeri uh, did it so much. But did it feel natural to you right away? And did you kind of realize that this is the way to go? Uh, I think maybe Yeri was more convinced than me in the beginning, but um, starting to get stronger and being able to double pole up up uh, more uphills and. Uh, seeing the the effects on the on the races uh, it was quite soon the the most clear option and what kind of trainings we talked about trainings a little bit but what kind of special things do you do nowadays to keep keep that up and 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 besides the strength training and, and all that kind of stuff anything special do you do in terms of double polling Uh, yes, it's both about uh, speed and uh, to to be able to keep that uh, double polling under a, um, for a long time. Uh, so both uh, 
long sessions, of course, and the fast ones and combined sessions with both long and fast double polling. And uh, as I said before, for me, it's uh, much about uh, the the speed in the uphills. Uh, and then when you come up from the uphill, to be able to uh, change and be fast. And how much has the technique changed, double polling technique, from the times that when you started doing it in 2010, you know, 11, 12, and so forth? Uh, well, the the details change a bit uh, all the time, I think. But uh, I think in if you look at it big, it's not extremely change from uh, when I started. But of course, there's uh, in the beginning with the double pole in the in the steepest uphills. So maybe that is a that is a new technique. The when you do the the short pushes, but um, I think when you look at it in the whole technique, I think it's not so so big difference. So Pritta and Lena said that they can always looked uh, highly uh, upon you and you've been the inspiration. But now. Uh, the tables are kind of turned. Now they are the the big stars uh, of the sport. What what are the things that you can learn from those two, for example, or the best skiers in the game? Uh, if you take uh, Britta, for example, she is so she's like stable. Her her shape is never bad, and she never does a bad race. Uh, and I really admire her for that stability and uh, the way she can uh, do good race after good race after good race and season after season. Uh, And Lina has uh, had many good years now lately from uh, when she she started. She has uh, been... uh, yeah, developed really, really much, and uh, she's now one of the queens, I think. <laughs> and what did you think about her performance at Barcelona this year? You were in the same race, and you did really well, as you said, but her performance was historic. I mean, it was the fastest, not the fastest, but the, the best uh, female result uh, in history because she was 57th overall in the overall results finished uh, alongside uh, Ilya Zernusov by the way yeah now it's uh, it's amazing uh, and uh, I also think that uh, yeah it's it's great to see that uh, in the long races we can I think maybe we women get better and better if you compare to the men uh, and uh, she really did an um, extremely impressive race in Vasilopet this year and both of them Britta and Lina they have really good teams and they train a lot uh, with uh, you know the uh, male counterparts uh, what about you do you like to train with men and your, your teammates yes uh, I uh, I think that's a uh, a great compliment in the training to a lot of races are uh, uh, very when we get catched up 
of the men. That's often a, a really important part of the races. Uh, and um, we have to ski faster than we do when we ski only only women. So uh, skiing with, with men on the training sessions is uh, actually really smart <laughs> to be prepared for those moments. And this is actually a good segue for us to talk about your team, Team Engong. Uh, a, a word about that, you know, how did you guys, you and Yeri, put, put it to, together? What's your goal for the team? And what are you hoping to, to get come uh, this new season? Uh, it started as a as a coincidence. Yeri had some. Uh, uh, he worked with the the, the company Encon at some training sessions, and uh, then uh, we just started to discuss to do this uh, health project to make the the health uh, to the employees better and make them train, and uh, also the idea of of uh, starting a ski team came up as uh, Team Tunnel, which I skied for before, was uh, ended. Actually, then I thought that uh, my skiing career ended again. <laughs> but uh, that option with uh, Anken suddenly felt uh, realistic and uh, we could pretty fast start up a team so we, was, so we could be ready for uh, the last year's season uh, we hope to to make the team a little bit bigger year for year now this year has been a, a special one so far and I think for a lot of companies it's been tough uh, economic this uh, COVID-19 crisis uh, so we're lucky to still have them as a sponsor and uh, we hope that uh, Encon is uh, happy with us too. And I think it's very important for you guys to to, to attract uh, younger skiers as well and kind of support that, you know, feel and show the way for them to, uh, you know, join uh, us and long distance skiing. Yes, I think that's important both for the future of the sport and uh, the interest for cross country skiing overall. So, uh, the, the young skiers are really important and uh, this year we have two new young skiers that hopefully will come and uh, join the circus uh, at least for, for some events and uh, we hope that they uh, feel like they want to come back. <laughs> Have they been nervous about the, the, the long-distance skiing? Have they asked you any funny questions about the long-distance <laughs> skiing and the long races? Uh, no, actually not. Uh, they're just, um, I think they're excited to, to try and uh, uh, just willing to learn. Uh, and what else could you say about the, your team? Uh, young people, uh, you still doing really well. Uh, how is Jerry uh, 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 as your as your team, not your as your husband, but as your team leader? And where do you want to see your team uh, in the long run? 
Uh, well, Jerry has a lot of experience, so uh, he he knows what's important, and uh, he can uh, do good choices for for the team. Uh, and uh, I think we we have uh, chances to to do some good results. Nils Persson, who also is on the team, did a really impressive vassal up this year and uh, he has been training really good this uh, summer and uh, I think that he will take some steps this year and uh, hopefully be be closer uh, up to the the finest places he has a potential to be in a, a, a solid top 10 skier if things go well correct yes absolutely I, I think so and then Visma Ski Classics, uh, you've been part of it, you know, ever since the beginning, pretty much. Uh, is there anything that you feel that could take place or anything that you would like to see, for example, in terms of you, young people, youth, so forth, or are you pretty content uh, with the, you know, the development and the, the brand as it is right now? I think that's happened uh, a lot of... Uh good things since um, since the start and uh, the cup has grown uh, big and there are lots of events and I also think that it's good with the, the challenge events so uh, it's uh, all over the world and uh, so that uh, amateur skiers also can be a, a part of ski classics even if they're not able to to join one of the, the main events and I think that uh, the possibility for young skiers to enter the, the circus is, is uh, bigger now uh, when the, the rules are changing. So you have to have two women on every team. And I think that's a, that's a great change to do the, the women's class even, even bigger. And I think that Ski Classics makes cross-country as a sport bigger and makes it uh, an option for for people not skiing in the world cup uh, to to still be skiing on the top top level and last season was pretty amazing in terms of the the youth invasion because the young skiers did so well both uh, uh, in the women's and the men's uh, champion competitions, Max Navak, Ida Dahl, Emilia uh, Fleet still being quite young, uh, the new face, faces. Uh, so definitely this this will continue. So it's, it's, it's changing. It's not the old men's or women's sport anymore. No, and that's great. I think that's a myth that you have to be old to, to ski fast in the long, long distances. It's... Uh more about how much you can go for it i think so we're definitely breaking breaking the boundaries and myths and uh, and showing the people that a long distance skiing is for everyone but next we are uh, going uh, walk going to take a walk down memory lane uh, take a time machine and travel back back to your youth and also find out a little bit more about you as a person and how you uh, got started uh, and how you found skiing and also talk about your family life. Mm -hmm. 
So, Lila, when did you kind of get bitten by the cross-country skiing bug and realize that, wow, this is something I would really want to do? Were you really young or did it happen a little bit later on in your life? Uh, I, I've always loved cross-country skiing uh, and it's always been a part of my life since uh, I got my first skis as, uh, I don't know, two two years maybe <laughs> but uh, I never dreamt of uh, Olympic golds or world championships uh, but I also always uh, enjoyed and loved training uh, and that's been uh, a part of my life and a bigger and bigger part of my life as I grew older uh, so uh, I think I was maybe 14, 15 when I started to train a bit more seriously and uh, to start to think of results. But I think the biggest turning point in, in my life was uh, our first child when my training was really good and uh, I had more concrete goals that I wanted to, to achieve. And you were pretty young when you realized that long-distance skiing is your forte, your cup of tea, correct? <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, it feels like I, I've taken it in stages. So it was never just one day that I felt, okay, I'm going to win Vaslopet. It was more like I, I grew into it and I just felt that... Uh, long distance skiing was something that uh, I could really enjoy and that it that fit me and uh, uh, that I wanted to do. Did you have any other career goals besides becoming a professional skier? Uh, I was um, maybe about to, to study medicine, so I said choose between continuing my skiing career or trying to become a doctor. So. I'm not a doctor yet, <laughs> so but I'm still skiing. Is that still a, a plan for you? <laughs> no, I, I don't know how uh, things uh, develop after my career. Um, if I'm motivated for uh, several years on in studying, I will see about that. And then how did you uh, meet uh, Jerry, your husband? He's a, he's a skier, he's a legend one of the greatest in long-distance skiing, but when and how did that encounter take place? Uh, we met in a, a ski race in, in Sweden, and uh, we met in some more events and uh, learned to, to know each other. Uh, I was uh, living in, in Norway at that time, uh, and um, yeah, after some time, we got a couple, and he moved to to Norway for like six months. But then he couldn't take it anymore, so I had to move to Sweden after that. <laughs> what do you mean he couldn't take it? <laughs> Norway's a great uh, country. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so too. <laughs> oh, but it, he got bored. Uh, oh, I don't know. Maybe it was. Uh, I was finished studying in Meråker in Norway. So he lived with uh, me there for some months, and uh, after that, we uh, none of us wanted to live in in Meråker, so uh, Östersund was the the first option, and here we still are. 
And how is it uh, for you to live in another country, to live in Sweden? I don't think it's that big difference between Norway and Sweden, actually. And I'm, I grew up uh, on the border to Sweden, so I'm quite used to both the Swedish language and uh, everything that comes with Sweden. So uh, uh, I don't think it's so so big difference. So you can easily switch back and forth in terms of the languages, Norwegian and, and Swedish. They are uh, very similar, but still different languages. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, not a, a problem to understand or, or be understood. Uh, and then going back to that uh, first encounter with uh, your husband, Jerry, uh, did it feel like a love at first sight was something that slow burning, kind of, you know, feeling that then kind of uh... Well, I it was a it was and still is a, a big age difference. So uh, uh, maybe both of us were a little bit doubtful, but uh, we we found out that uh, the age didn't matter. So uh, uh, it it felt uh, like it uh, like we had good connection pretty soon. And what have you learned? from him because he is a, a great uh, cross-country skier and also one of the f- four fathers in terms of long d- I mean, uh, double polling and, and, and being focused on long-distance skiing. Oh, I lear- learned uh, a whole lot. And um, for me, the, the first time with him, I, I could uh, see his uh, focus and the way he did his training sessions and uh, everything was so professional and I could uh, take that to my training coping the great things that he did I've learned uh, a whole lot of him and uh, I think that if I didn't meet Jerry I don't think I would sit here with uh, two victories in Vaslopet that's pretty sure is he still training? And if so, are you guys training together? He's uh, training uh, a bit. He's training short but hard sessions uh, in the in the way he has time time to. So, uh, but we are not training so much together because he he works on uh, the the weekdays often often. So. Uh, and uh, when in the weekends uh, he has to be my babysitter. <laughs> and how old are the kids right now? Uh, the oldest is ten, and uh, the the youngest is uh, four and a half years. So the ten-year-old uh, is like my son, actually ten years old. Okay. Uh, so, so I so, so I know that they. You can leave them alone for a while, but a four-year-old, you still need a uh, need to be babysitter. Yeah, <laughs> need to have a babysitter. Uh, so, uh, speaking of motherhood, uh, it has changed your life twice, pretty much, and also your plans in terms of uh, your career. But of course, it's also a blessing. It's a great, great thing. Uh, but just a word about that: being a mother and having a, two two kids. Uh, yes, it's um, before becoming a mother. It's hard to imagine the the change it is uh, from not being 
apparent. Uh, but it's uh, of course it's the the best in in my life, uh, and um, it's always what comes first on my priorities. So skiing will never be my <clears throat> my top priority. Uh, but it's also, of course, challenging, which I think all parents that has had small kids knows about uh, getting less sleep and uh, all that things in the those first years. But I think also it uh, gives you perspective on on life and on careers and on whatever you just know what what really matters and i always know that uh, coming home with a victory or uh, the 15th place that uh, isn't something that changes anything here at home and that's been a a real great uh, support for me the last years when when uh, nothing has gone the way i i wanted uh, and also now having a 10-year-old a girl who can join me for some training sessions just feels so great. And I love the, the moments when we can do some running sessions together. That's, the, that's my best sessions. So is she going to be our next uh, superstar? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if it, she's... Uh, so into it, uh, she likes skiing, but uh, we'll see. She can, she will do her own choice, I think. And what other things do you guys do as a family besides, of course, the family life and and skiing and so forth? But when you guys have some time off, what do you do? Uh, oh, it's uh, a lot of activities uh, outdoors. Uh, we like to to be out together and uh, as uh, my my job uh, to to train never really has vacations it's uh, much about combining the family life with my training uh, so they often hang around me when i do uh, in the weekends when i have training sessions they're also out together with me somehow uh, and uh, so far they enjoy it <laughs> we'll see in some years if uh, the interests will dip but uh, I enjoy to, to have them in in the near hoods when I when I do the training yeah, we'll see when they hit the uh, the difficult uh, teenage yeah. uh, period of the time, <laughs> in the time. But we'll see the, how that changes then. But uh, next, I think we'll uh, before we just uh, wrap up and and I'll let you go and and spend some quality time with your family. Uh, we talk about the future, your future, uh, and of course the future uh, of uh, uh, your career. The future, it's always a kind of a tricky thing to discuss because nobody knows for sure. But uh, we talked about you finding kind of your mojo. Uh, you felt really good after Vasalopet uh, this year. So uh, now, looking into the, the years to come, what are you hoping to, to achieve? And for how long 
do you think that you will sustain uh, this level and be able to 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 keep going? Um, it's always hard to say how how long uh, you will keep going. I don't take anything for granted, uh, and I've taken one year at a time for twelve years now. I think so. Uh, uh, so this year I also take one year at a time. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, do my own plans without uh, counting in my family. So uh, uh, we'll see if uh, this life uh, skiing and competing works together with the, the family. My my oldest daughter has started to, to compete a little bit too. And then uh, I feel more and more that I want to, to be... An audience in her uh, competitions as well as competing on my own. So uh, we'll see how long this uh, uh, skiing life continues. But uh, I will for sure enjoy this upcoming season when or if it starts. Uh, I hope that uh, even with this virus, it will be possible to do some some races and you're still relatively young you're 33 years old correct uh, uh so uh you can you can keep going if you want to and if if that fits your kind of overall plan the age isn't really the the limiting factor in in your case no i don't think that that the age is uh, a limiting factor and i think a lot of people have really good years in their 30s so uh, if I stop, it's not because uh, my best before date is past. Uh, it's more that uh, the combination of uh, skiing and family life doesn't go together. And what else do you want to achieve in life, skiing uh, aside? Uh, I don't know if it's um, been a good year with Encon and trying to motivate them to train more and uh, I really enjoy to help people finding a way of an active and healthy life uh, so maybe something uh, working with, with that I don't know if, if Encon still wants us uh, after this year but uh, uh, I really feel that I can can give something to people who who needs help to to motivate themselves to start training and uh, that also gives me some something back so you, you feel that you could be a coach or a, some kind of a contributor uh, in terms of uh, long distance skiing or any kind of sports yeah maybe uh, i don't know i maybe feel more motivated to help people coming up from zero training to a little bit training than to help elite athletes uh, I think uh, when I'm done with the, the elite training myself I am maybe done with that part when I choose to close that chapter and then what about uh, the future of uh, long-distance skiing, Abysma Ski Classics? What do you want to see taking place in the years to come? 
Oh, I really hope that uh, Ski Classics can uh, keep on growing and uh, uh, just keep those really fantastic races that they have in the calendar now uh, and uh, open the eyes to all the amateur skiers to and make it possible for them to come and and uh, enjoy the the pretty races that there are in the, in the cup uh, and also of course to uh, make it possible for for young skiers that want to to do the long distance races uh, and to just uh, keep on in that way it's been developing the last years and as a last thing, since we've been talking about Vasalopet quite a lot, and that is definitely a race that you uh, have specialized uh, in so much. Uh, but are there any like anecdotes or um, special memories, stories to tell uh, or share uh, with us uh, before we uh, wrap up? And now I'm to- not talking about the race itself per se, uh, something that happened kind of behind the scenes. Ah. Good question. <laughs> well, it's always a a lot of things that uh, that happen behind the scenes in in Vasalopet. It's uh, much about the the traffic coming to start. This year was a chaos when we sk- when we were driving to the to the ski test, and there was a big line of cars stopping and. Uh, I thought for a moment that we will be too late for the start and the heart beat faster than on the start line almost when we sat in the car and it felt impossible to to reach the start so we just have to to change the plan and to drive directly to the start and I think in Vasloped always something happened because it's uh, it's so big and uh, you have to be flexible and you never know what, what happens. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, 2014, the year that you won, uh, that actually happened to me. I missed the start and I no. cried pretty much. Yeah. I actually had my skis on the front line there, but I had to go back to the car. And that was kind of a special year when uh, the parking lot, you know, because there was so much water then and so forth. And and, and uh, so uh, my car was parked so far behind and usually right behind the elite start. So I had to go back and I couldn't make it back to there. Oh. So I was the worst moment of my life, probably. I really cried. Panic. My skis were there, but the, I wasn't. So, <laughs> but could you could you find them after? Uh, I got the skis back, yes. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, I couldn't ski the race. The only time I haven't done oh. it uh, of all those year, years that I've done. But uh, really, really great uh, talking to you as always, uh, Lila, and good luck uh, with you. And uh, after uh, talking to you, I, I really get a feeling that, uh, first of all, your life is in per- perfect balance. Are you happy? And I think next season will be really good for you. It's really great to see you back. Uh, back with a vengeance, so to speak. Uh, And hopefully we'll see you on the podium as well. Oh, thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you once again for joining us. And as always, remember to stay healthy and stay tuned for more episodes to come.
This podcast is a W Sports Media production.